Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Julianna Needham. In this episode, we're looking at foreign direct investment screening in Europe. I spoke to Francesca Micheletti, Brussels Deputy Bureau Chief for Deal Reporter and PAR, and to Jacob Parry, Legal Affairs Reporter for PAR. Hi, Francesca. Hi, Jacob. Hi, Juliana. Hi, Juliana. So to begin with, can you explain the context of foreign direct investment or FDI screening in Europe and tell me if that's reflective of a wider global trend? So FDI control has always existed in Europe in uh, some form or another over the past uh, few decades. Over the past five years, we've seen an attempt to harmonize the approach across the EU, which culminated with the European Commission's proposal in 2017 to introduce a regulation that would uh, implement minimum standards and some protocols for screening uh, inbound investment at the EU level. That was precipitated by many causes, but uh, one of the more important context was the rise in inbound investment from China uh, through the 2010s, which culminated in the acquisition of KUKA, a uh, German robotics company by Medea Group, a China-based manufacturer in 2016, which was taken as a major wake-up call, in particular by the German government. Again, it's worth mentioning that uh, some countries, France in particular, have long had a history of scrutinizing inbound investment, in particular in sensitive sectors like defense and security. Um, looking back at uh, at 2019, uh, in France in particular, one-third of the notifications that they received under their FDI regime related to defense activities, about half related to energy uh, transport, public health, and electronic communications, and uh, the remaining proportion in, in various sectors. And what kind of developments have we seen in recent years? And has the pandemic changed anything? So I think, um, yeah, the pandemic has kind of accelerated rather than changed uh, the, the climate because uh, even before COVID-19, uh, the atmosphere was already one of tightening foreign investment uh, uh, screening, um, especially at the EU level where uh, officials often define this new legislation that was put in place as uh, the end of naivety. Uh, towards foreign investment. So the climate was already one of tightening. Uh, COVID uh, accelerated uh, and uh, brought many uh, countries which did not have uh, foreign investment screening to set up new regimes. Uh, And also it triggered, uh, um, well, it uh, caused the broadening of uh, of regimes or existing regimes, broadening of the sector scrutinized, particularly uh, around healthcare, of course, and uh, around uh, critical infrastructure. Um, so, yeah, we have seen a great development in FDI screening over the past year. Uh, and this, uh, well, anybody, any practitioner, any lawyer working on uh, on this field or merger control would tell you that FDI right now is uh, an important factor uh, in, in risk assessment, in regulatory risk assessment around the deal, whereas before it was uh, more definitely more peripheral. And you mentioned a few of them there, but what kind of deals or sectors are attracting the most scrutiny? 
sector at the moment, uh, uh, I would say semiconductors is really the top sector where we're seeing uh, FDI screening activity. We have a few deals. Um, first of all, Siltronic uh, Global Waffers, uh, which are being scrutinized um, by EU member states and the European Commission. Uh, in Siltronic's case, uh, it's Germany, which is leading the foreign direct investment screening, um, while the EU is acting uh, through the, the newly launched uh, UFDI screening procedure and it's uh, uh, assessing the deal to provide an opinion so that the, the EU will not be the one to finally decide, uh, it will be Germany, but the EU will input in Germany's uh, um, assessment. So semiconductors uh, obviously is a key sector because of global shortage. Uh, it's especially key to Germany. That is why um, Germany is the focus of this review also because Citronic uh, is a German company. Uh, there are another deal which is perhaps less high profile but still in the same sector is Dialogue Renaissance. Uh, and then we have Arm Nvidia as well, which has been talked a lot about in the UK, especially because of Arm's prominent uh, uh, position uh, as a UK company. I think it's it's worth mentioning that the concerns that member state governments have are still largely driven by traditionally sensitive sectors like security and defense. And as we've seen developments of new technologies uh, uh, such as uh, artific uh, artificial intelligence and uh, uh, an increase in uh, the sophistication of, of robotics, we've seen concerns that were traditionally hidebound to security and def defense creep into other adjacent sectors. In terms of the profile of buyer who is attracting the most interest, uh, of course, these regimes are agnostic to whether or, or not a buyer is from one country in particular, but it's really transactions that involve Chinese buyers, either those that are state-owned or uh, somehow related to the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Chinese government or also those that are, are privately held. I think it's worth mentioning two transactions that were uh, blocked over the the course of the past year. In December, we saw the German government step in and block the takeover in IMST, which was a, uh, a radar and satellite uh, maker company uh, by a subsidiary of a state-controlled uh, China Aerospace and Industry Group. And again, at the end of March, the Italian government blocked the takeover of an Italian semiconductor company, also over, over FDI concerns. Finally, what I'd say as well is that those concerns over uh, government objections and the potential of obstacles arising in the FDI process are creeping earlier into the deal-making process. Um, just this month, we saw a bid by a Chinese group for Evoco, an Ita uh, Italian truck maker, fall apart after it ran into objections from both the Italian government and then we saw the French government piggyback on top of that. And, and looking more specifically at some of the, the countries, the UK has obviously left the EU now. What steps is it taking towards its own FDI screening programme? Yes, well, the, uh, the UK unveiled last year an ambitious reform of its FDI regime. Actually, not to call it FDI because uh, it's actually a national security 
uh, investment bill and it applies not only to foreign investments but also to UK to UK investments. So um, the UK has uh, uh, listed 17 sensitive sectors where it intends, it intends to apply government scrutiny. Uh, it recent, more recently narrowed them down a little but still it's quite a broad selection. Um, and um, well, the bill is uh, in the is currently being discussed, so it um, it has not yet entered into force, but it will apply retroactively to deals announced uh, since November uh, last year. Um, so, so again, an overhaul of, of the existing regime uh, we're seeing in the UK. And was there anything in particular that prompted that change in the UK? Obviously, it had to instigate its own rules after leaving the EU. But was there any particular deal that can be linked to? I'm not sure it was one particular deal that uh, uh, that triggered it. Unless, Jacob, there's something that comes to mind. I wouldn't say there's one particular deal, but I mean, the obvious uh, key deal in the background is ARM NVIDIA, in which we have a uh, UK-based target, albeit owned by a Japanese uh, group currently, uh, that is elicited a lot of concern. And as we saw this week, has entered a full security review in the UK. Yeah, what I was hearing is also that, uh, um, well, the aim of this UK bill is actually to scrutinize those deals which are smaller and do not typically fall under the thresholds of the usual, of a usual CMA review. Um, so the difference is that a, a large defense deal would come under scrutiny already now. But the aim of this new bill is to actually capture smaller deals, which may fly under the radar of a, um, a standard competition review um, through this, uh, this new tool. So to really, for the, for the government to have an overview of whatever uh, foreign direct investment is made, foreign or national, I have to say, it's, uh, the UK one is broader, applies to national investment as well. Thank you. And within the EU, are there any countries who are taking their own measure alongside existing EU rules? And how do the two regimes work together? We're still seeing the rollout of the EU regulation in different member states. There are still a number of member states that do not have a FDI control regime as of uh, April 2021, uh, but are still in the process of either legislating one or putting one into operation. There's a few key jurisdictions that have been a bit ahead of the pack. I think it's worth mentioning the changes in Germany in particular, where a lot of multi-jurisdictional transactions uh, have faced the need to approach the German regulator uh, for approval. Last October, the German government introduced its changes to its foreign trade and payments ordinances, which is the way in which it has implemented the EU regulation and the legislation on which it bases its control of uh, inbound investment. Among some of the changes that uh, practitioners have looked to with a bit of concern has been the the tightening of the standard uh, in which the German government can intervene from a transaction that endangers public security to one that is likely to affect public security. 
I think also last year, amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, there was concern coming from both major member states and the European Commission on the potential for European targets in high-profile or important sectors to be undervalued. We saw that in the March 25th communication last year, where the Commission highlighted those concerns in, in particular. In response, France lowered its thresholds for intervention for French publicly listed companies from 25% to the acquisition of a 10% share. That's been extended into 2022. They've also seen France uh, add biotechnology to the list of sectors where uh, targets and buyers must notify the French government. Yes, Italy also has uh, added any any uh, investment into 5G under the list of scrutinized sectors. For example, this has uh, led to a spike in uh, in notifications last year. There were over 200, as we reported, um, which is a huge number compared to before, where there were only about 40 a year or even less. Um, so yeah, member states are definitely acting. It has to be stressed that the uh, European Commission does not have the power to rule uh, on foreign direct investment. So this new mechanism that has been put in place is simply to facilitate information exchange among member states. Uh, but it has to be underlined that it's ultimately up to the relevant member state to decide on uh, uh, whether to block or a deal or to to uh, request some uh, commitments. Um, uh, so, so the fate of the deal is in the hand of the member state government, not of the European Commission. And I think finally on that, we're seeing this year in particular, those outstanding member states that did not have regimes in place introduce those regimes. So I think uh, we've seen so far... Uh, Poland, the Czech Republic, uh, and the Netherlands amongst those that have either tabled legislation or laid in the process of tabling legislation. Also, uh, countries that see a lot of inbound in investments such as Ireland and Belgium will likely introduce rules this year to bring them in line with the, the uh, uh, EU regulation. Great, thank you. And one last question for you. What kind of impact is it all having on deal-making? Well, I think uh, what you hear is that uh, deal-making is getting increasingly harder from a regulatory perspective. Uh, we won't talk here about changes to merger control, though it has to be said that uh, merger control regimes uh, uh, are getting tougher. And FDI screening on top of it uh, is certainly an added burden if you, if you hear from practitioners uh, involved in deal-making. I think there's also an incredible lack of transparency in some countries in particular, such as Germany and France, into what the ministries are actually concerned about when they flag a transaction and then review a transaction. Something we hear from advisors uh, occasionally is that there's really no case law when it comes to FDI control as compared with um, antitrust reviews in particular, and that there haven't been any uh, block decisions that have been brought to European courts in which we could try to understand the basis of what these ministries are looking at, whether it be strictly for security and defense concerns, or whether other considerations such as industrial policy, which is also a resurgent uh, theme at the moment, might be slipping or creeping in to some of the assessments that are being conducted. 
Great. Jacob and Francesca, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. That was Francesca Micheletti and Jacob Parry speaking to me, Juliana Needham. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of DealCast, presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.